Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Guest today is Christine Call, founder and director of People Coach. And uh, for those listening, you'll be able to hear our newly applied bright red lipstick. Welcome. <laughs> Tell us about People Coach first up. People Coach has been the business, I think, that's been in my head for many, many, many decades. It finally came into fruition in 2020. And our goal is to make coaching accessible to everybody. And um, the reason why it came to be is because for two reasons, one's personal and one's a business insight, I suppose. The personal side of it was I'm, I've am i been quite blessed in my career in how I've been able to grow. I've had great sponsors and mentors and, and coaches, um, and I really valued it. And particularly for a, a woman of a certain age, of a certain nationality, um, you know, having sponsors and support and confidential people that could help me was very, very critical. So I felt blessed that that I had that. The second part of it was the business insight part where I started working as an executive coach, probably, what, about, you know, early 2000s. And I could see the impact that I was making. I could see the changes in businesses, in leaders, in careers, more profit, you know, you know, more successes. But when I stopped and looked at the people that I was actually coaching, they tended, well, they all were at the pointy end of the pyramid. So they're all set, the most senior people. They were usually, far majority of them were men. And mm. without, you know, starting a whole sort of discrimination war thing, a lot of them were white men. And so my, you know, my sense of equity, equality, fairness, you know, all those things kicked in and it was like, this is not right. And so the problem I set out to solve was how do I make coaching accessible to all? So the Christine Core, when she was 25 years old, starting her career, how would you, where would I go if I needed help? And there was actually nowhere I could go. So that's why I started the business. Oh, and Oh, I could so go down so many little corridors on that piece now. But who are your clients now? We are, again, really blessed. We have clients, small clients like The Hunger Project, uh, which, you know, have sort of 10, 12 people through to companies such as Boeing, Bigger Foods, Facility Group, Unilever, um, Deakin University, Latrobe City Council. Um, so we have a range of clients. And it's interesting, people will often say to us, you know, don't you have a specific industry that you focus on? 
And the quick the answer is no, because every industry has emerging and developing leaders that are stepping up into roles that they're not ready for. Uh, they might have the skill, but they don't have the soft skills and they need support, especially during times of um, global pandemic, especially during times of economic uncertainty that we're facing into. Um, and especially during times of change, which is, again, what we're going through now. Yeah. So I noted that you uh, started the business the week before lockdown in Melbourne. (sighs) Talk about adversity. What did you learn as a director during that startup in a pandemic phase? So, yeah, so it was actually even a little bit worse than that. We had started the business earlier um, with via MVP. So we'd invested a little bit of money and we created the platform, but we did it via Facebook Messenger. I then went out and got some capital. I then invested my own uh, capital. I sold a, I sold my holiday house that my kids got and I put all of that into the, the, the um, business. Sounds a bit elitist, I suppose, selling my holiday house, but you know, it was a big thing for me. Sold a house. Yeah, yeah, sold a house to invest it. We rebuilt the platform and the week after we relaunched our new platform, after spending quite a lot of money, anybody that's built tech knows that tech is a lot of money, uh, that's when we went into lockdown. So wow. what did I learn? I learned to breathe. I did a lot of yoga. Uh, what's the saying? This too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I actually, what it gave us was a lot of time to focus on the business and really deliver exceptional service to the clients that we had so we overserviced. we spent more time with them we helped them on things that we may not have done if if we were in total ramp up move because we weren't getting new clients so we overserviced the clients that we had and that's done that's been a benefit to us obviously that's been well benefit to them obviously a benefit to us in that we got to really partner them and what we were able to do is actually build products and services to put them in good stead as we come out of um, the pandemic and into recession and into, you know, post-COVID working. Yeah, whatever we've got kind of ahead. Yep. I guess those guys, those um, those early clients have now become your raving fans. And they've had the support that you know they needed and they now know that they needed because leading through tough times, it's a different skill set altogether. So lucky them, I think. Well, as I say, you know, look, my whole focus is leadership development and it's easy to be a great leader in good times. It's easy to be generous when you're rich, right? It's so, but when things are scarce, when money's tight, when crisis is happening, when you don't have the resources to actually then be generous and to um, be a great leader is hard, 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 hard. And that's what we're doing with our clients is helping, um, I suppose, untrained leaders or newer leaders become better leaders so that they can lead through uncertainty. And let's face it, like the global... pandemic is not a tick the box it's over and we'll go back to normal you know the recession is not a tick the box and then we'll go back to normal I mean out constantly it's going to be up and down up and down 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 up up all around right and so and if it's not that in business it's going to be that in your personal life 
right? So you your business world might be going perfectly well and then something smacks you across the head in your personal life or one of your team's personal life and then you have to learn to lead in a different way. So I guess that's what we've learned during um, pandemic of how to structure our programs to assist through that um, and to lead through adversity. Yeah. We'll come back to that work and family kind of dance thing because, gosh, it doesn't take much to tip that not the right way. But in the leaders, and I'm just going to reflect on myself and you reflect on yourself, but if you think about the leaders that you're coaching, what are the standout features of a leader that does cope well during adversity? So the attributes of good leaders, I think, my opinion. Yeah. Leaders that are confident of their skills and their experience and their knowledge of what they know and of what they don't know. So we, our value at People Coach that we we talk about is what we call humble excellence. So they're experts. If you go to our website, you know, and I've got, you know, three, four degrees, I've got whatever hours of coaching. So we're all experts in what we do. But every single one of us in the organisation is humble. So tell me about how you would do that, Kathy. I, I, I don't understand that. How did you do it? I'd like to learn. So, and I call it being ego and egoless at the same time. Your ego, you've got enough ego to go, hey, I've got an opinion here and I want to share it with you, but egoless enough to go, oh, I don't understand. Teach me. So that's number one. Number two, um, which is, I suppose, a a bit aligned, is being vulnerable and honest, right? You as a leader, as a founder of a business, you don't know it all, right? You're not not always going to be right. There are other lenses, there are other views. So being vulnerable and saying, I don't, I can't cope today. I don't know today. I'm in, in a bad mood today. I'm struggling today. That's okay. Like, and it's actually gives your team an ability to step up and see you as a human. And the third part, I suppose, is just, is, you know, being curious and open and thinking about things and being brave enough to see things and do things in a different way. And finally, communicating. Yeah. Tell people what you think and you've got to listen to them as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think with the vulnerability piece and the honesty, transparency, whatever you want to call it, it's, um, it's also a bit about asking for help. Um, and at times you just don't know what to do and at times you don't know what you don't know and at times it could be really lonely as a leader and you might be just, you know, sitting in your own bubble um, procrastinating and a bit of analysis paralysis, you know, there's a gazillion cliches, but boy, oh boy, gosh, it, it can really be lonely when you're kind of in the driver's seat on your own. It can be if you want it to be. Yep. Right, so you could be in the car by yourself, but you can also call a friend. You can also put the radio on. There's lots of things you can do. And I think the loneliest people at the top are the people that don't admit that they're lonely, right? And and me as a leader, to actually say to the team, here's the problem. I actually don't know what the solution is, but I'm just going to dump it and, you know, let's just think about that and come back to it tomorrow. But this is the problem. And, you know, then that that shares the burden a bit like, you know, guilty pleasure of let's order a dessert and share it. You have half and I have half. And it's a bit like that with a problem, right? If it's a big problem, yeah. you've if if you've got good people around them, around you, use them. 
you know, use them up. Like they want to share with you. So tell the problem. And you may not agree with with their solutions. Um, You might decide to go your own way anyway, but it's always interesting just to hear what another perspective could be. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, particularly with allied health business owners, they're really good at um, coming up with solutions that they almost reverse engineer into a problem. Um, And sometimes there can be a race to solve things and, oh, my God, it's urgent. Um, But to put down the the card of time and to be comfortable being uncomfortable with sitting and exploring solutions and listening and there's just that magic sometimes when if you leave something well enough alone it somewhat solves itself as well but we've been trained to fix things and that isn't always helpful in business so I guess um when we coach business owners Mm -hmm. it is a different psyche to a business leader who's not in their own business and then I do think there's another lens when you're talking about health professionals of any or, or any yeah. giving customer facing, you know, um, cohort. So when we work with um, healthcare organisations, we work with a couple of hospitals and when we work with their practice managers and, and those sort of things. And the reason why is I, there's two parts. One, well, three parts. One is that allied health or health professionals are helping people, to your point, jump in they see a problem, it's a crisis at the t- time and they fix it, right, and they they do that. Business owners also do that because time is money. So I can see the problem, I can make the decision, I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so both those things are the antithesis of slowed down strategic thinking, which yeah. is actually what you're you're talking about. And that is definitely something that I have learned over time. It has taken me a lot of, and I literally have to say things like, Let's discuss this tomorrow. And then I I now know that I can go through four different changes in recommendation in a 24-hour period once I've stopped, like once I've allowed myself to stop. And usually, not always, usually it's a better solution 24 hours later wow. than it was the first one. Not yeah. always. Sometimes yeah. the first one is the right one. But you've built on it. You've worked out what could go wrong. You've worked out. No, mate, what what about that other thing that I'd think about? And you definitely, well, for me, definitely come up with a def- better solution. Yeah. We've uh, just spent a few days running our Entrepreneurial Boardroom Alliance program. So that is a boardroom program where we bring in a small group of businesses for a couple of days, a few times a year. And one of the questions I put to one of the boards last week was, when, it, when, do you, um, when is your thinking time? And uh, there was a little bit of a, you know, scuffle and people literally tied shoelaces and we're all guilty of that. Um, But I know myself as a business owner and a team leader that my performance is better when I have literally booked thinking time or committed, devoted thinking time. Um, You're nodding, Christine. 100%. So... um... (laughs) It's funny. I never thought I'd be saying these things, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten sportier, which is really weird. So I've picked up surfing um, and paddleboarding and all those sort of things. And so I use those times as my thinking time, walking the dog, going for a paddleboard, not necessarily going for a surf because I'm just working out, am I going to, you know, fall over, but um, the time driving there, the time driving back, 
um, doing yoga, all those times, things when you're doing something else, but I don't fill up that space with a podcast or a, you know, yeah. or, or music. I leave that space to let it, to let things sort of roll around and then pop out the other end. Yeah, yeah, invaluable, invaluable. So um, you mentioned earlier, well, we kind of parked a, a topic a few minutes back about this dance between your business self and your rest of life self and all of those roles. Um, and I know from um, my experience that I think I've got a decent balance and it is it is a really good balance. And the whole implication of balance is that it's dynamic. I think a lot of people think that, dam- that balance is just static and set and it's either one or the other. For me, it's a total trade. Like it's this dynamic trading across an intersection. Um but I guess I've been reminded over the last little while that the unexpected can totally trade the wrong way. And sometimes when I think I've got something resembling a balance, it's not enough. I haven't got enough energy in play on the, the rest of life stuff and the and the business stuff as well. And you can just get sideswiped by things as well. And you find yourself managing a business but kind of thinking about other stuff in the background. You can find yourself living life and you're kind of um, mentally checking into the businesses as well. Your observations on on this dance? Yeah. Um, prior to March 2022, I would say I had really quite really good balance, to be honest. Um, I work long hours but because I I mean, it's, you know, that stupid saying, if you love what you do, it's not work. I literally, I love what I do. And because of it, because it is my business and I can do it remotely, you know, I can, like I have a Pilates lesson always at 10 o'clock on a Monday, but that, you know, that doesn't matter because I'm working till 9.30 doing something on that Monday night, right? So, and because I'm fast and, you know, I can process a lot of things quickly, I've never had that issue. I've always had also a very good support network and I'm good at outsourcing. So cleaners, I don't mind the odd takeaway. My husband, you know, always shared all the duties, you know, all those sort of things. So I, so as I said, before, pre, you know, March 2022, I would have said I had great balance, right? Then... In March 2022, um, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and then things changed for me quite a lot. And all of a sudden, the work, the hours that I was putting into work, I couldn't do. Mm. Not because I didn't want to do, because I couldn't do. Um, Because all of a sudden, a lot of the, you know, day-to-day at home things that I didn't actually have to think about, I had to do. Um, my mind was taken up with different things to think about that were more important than business. Um, and what that did for me in some ways is the biggest blessing. For, like what's happened in my personal life in some ways is a, is a blessing for my business and for my team because what I've had to do is build in my own redundancy and build and get out of my head all the things that I think I know and share. and. You know, I've been very, very focused over the last sort of six to 12 months around, you know, particularly getting the right people in place and letting them go, adding the right systems and processes in place so that we know why we do things and being very clear about my strategic plan. So 
what's our vision, what are our goals, how are we tracking to those goals, what's working, what's not working. And it sounds counterintuitive, but actually have more meetings to align and to clarify, which results in less emails and less confusion and less mistakes. So sometimes, you know, people will say, I can't have a meeting, I'm too busy, or I can't I can't have coaching, I'm too busy. Um, but actually, if you take the time to slow down and have that meeting and have that coaching session and do a bit of work and do a bit of thinking, you actually save time in the end. And that's what I found. In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. Wow, nothing like a significant uh, reality check to put it all in perspective. And what you just said ticks all of those boxes to what you answered earlier about humble excellence, vulnerability, being curious and communicating as well. So the right meetings, little and often, are totally going to get people in the right seats and talking about the right things. Exactly. And and just being clear about meetings, they're short, sharp, purposeful, mm. outcome-focused. So it'd be a 15-minute discussion on this. It's a 20-minute yeah. discussion on that. You know, it's not an hour each time where we chat about stuff and then, oh, yeah, what were we meeting about? Oh, let's meet about that next week again. Like, we don't do that. No, I think uh, meetings have been revolutionised, thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. So with this sharper focus through the business, what what changes are you seeing? In the business or in? In the business, yeah. Um... I'm thinking 12 months later, it's a really, is is it? I'm assuming it's quite a different business from what it was March last year. Um, well, it's different in the sense that we've got, we've just hired about five new people to Mm. do some of the things that I was doing poorly, you know, so actually putting some systems and, and, you know, as the, as a founder, and again, you know, a lot of the people that you'll be speaking to or listening to this are owners of businesses and they'll be saying things like, oh, I can just do it faster myself. They just don't know what to do. And, um, I could just do it myself. Right. And, guilty. I have been known to say that and maybe sometimes I even do say that. But the reality is you become a very busy individual contributor of a very small um, job if you do not delegate because the definition of a job is you get paid for the hours. The definition of business is you get paid when you're not there. So if you do not start to delegate 
um, and share and abdicate in some ways, you actually don't have a business. So how's it changed? We've got a lot more staff now and they are doing things differently from me. And I don't always like it, but I appreciate it. It was interesting. We we onboarded um, three new coaches yesterday, and the first time I had never, I had not interviewed them. I just t- turned up for my fifteen minute. You know, here's who we are. Here's how we started. And I left. I was like, whoa, because you know, twelve months ago, I was interviewing them. I was doing this. I was checking them out. I was making sure that they're aligned. And you know, we now have you know many many coaches. So that's not scalable for us to be able to do that. Um, so that's great. It means also that as a leader, I'm now doing more working on the business, not in the business, which is actually more profitable yeah, yeah. and beneficial for the long term because instead of being caught up in some silly little thing there that I shouldn't actually have been involved in and probably making it worse, to be honest, um, I'm thinking about what next, who next, what needs to be changed. I'm doing the helicopter view stuff. So that's much better. from a timing peace perspective it's it's like today I just worked I had no meetings this is the only meeting I had um and I got actually a lot of work done to the point though that I'm exhausted because actually when you do deep thinking work it's far more exhausting than running around sitting in lots of meetings and so I said to my husband right well after this let's go for a walk because I actually need to get out I'm just I've done all this thinking about strategy and you know all this other stuff that I'm tired now so I think that's great that that not running around not firefighting that thinking deeper thinking on being more strategic playing the the long game not the short game and I think a lot of people especially in smaller businesses play a short game and so I yeah. want to help encourage people to play the long game. Yeah. And making yourself redundant in your own business is a key to the long game. It adds commercial value to your business. It helps you reclaim the parts of your personal life that you need to get back into. But I think it also sets the team up for greater success as well. Like they're, I'm sure they're feeling trusted and they're organised and they're understanding why the founding director is doing this and where the business is going as well. Um, often we come across businesses where the director meddles, and that's yeah. the word I use, that the owner director meddles and has got everybody under, you know, under surveillance. So what was that um, delegation and kind of trust piece like? I'm curious. Well, I mean, look, we're very blessed because the people that have joined us are joining for a mission. Yeah. To make coaching accessible all, to all. That's that's the first thing. Secondly, um, we are really clear about who we are and who we're not and what we can give and what we won't or can't and how to make decisions. So, you know, if you walk into our business, our values aren't just stuck on a wall. Well, most of our people are, you know, at home anyway, but they actually understand. So when we say humble excellence, when we say courageously accountable, when we say, you know, be curious, people know what that value is and how to discuss that. Yeah. Yeah. We have um, really clear decision-making criteria. So decisions have to be, any decision has to be, allow us to be, you know, accessible, scalable and add sustainable long-term value. So if any decision you recommend doesn't, fit those three criteria, then it's the wrong decision. 
Yep. Right. So, and then we do talk about things. And I guess, I mean, we're a, we're a business of coaches. I'm mm-hmm. a coach. My co-founder is a coach. My head of coaches is a coach. Um, our CTO isn't a coach, but he could be a coach. Um, our CEO, a finance person, just does it naturally. So, and then of course we've got all the coaches. So we've got people that know how to ask good questions. <laughs> I was and, just thinking uh, that. And be curious rather than aggressive. So we're all, we're ahead of the game in that way, I've got to say. And I think, I mean, my other business, Kathy, you know this, um, is a recruitment business. So I've got to say I, I'm pretty good at my job in that sense mm-hmm. as well. So the people in our team are pretty damn awesome. Yeah, yeah. So as you make yourself more redundant, you've indicated really beautifully that your role changes as well. And I think sometimes business owners get a bit attached to being useful and being a person putting out the fires and detangling things. It takes some, you know, a fair bit of courage to kind of get out of your own way, get up into director, CEO department and staying there as well because the sweet spot of needing to be needed or whatever your kind of internal narrative is is kind of back on the floor with the crew. Um what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? You know, a lot of owners of businesses, founders of business will say, you know, my business is my baby. And so I'll use that same analogy as a parent myself. Mm-hmm. When you were little, you had to do everything for them. You had to feed them. You had to wipe them. You had to pat them to sleep. You had to do all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a pleasure in that, you know, having this little person that couldn't operate without you, that needed you for everything, that, you know, they fell over, they cried, and you were there. And you were their hero. You could fix everything. You knew yeah. everything. You were perfect. You were so lovable. There was nothing that you could do wrong. And that's what a business is like sometimes, right, especially when you start it. But then as the business grows, if you continue to treat your child in the same way when they're (laughs) 15 or 20 or 30 Mm. or 50 years old, all you're going to have is dysfunction and anger and people not reaching their potential and you not reaching your potential. So being a successful founder is the same as being a successful parent. You've got to learn where you can have to, you have to, not you choose to, but you have to step back for the mental health, the physical health, the emotional health of the people that you are serving. So whether that be your children and your family or whether that be your business and your customers and your suppliers and everybody else. And the people that are dysfunctional, that are micromanaging their children and really, I mean, we all probably know those people. We see see it on some terrible, you know, um, reality program. TV show. Yeah, some reality TV show where, you know, the mother's holding the son's hand when he's 78 years old type thing. Um, it's not it's not healthy and it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's seeing in themselves that they do think they're micromanaging or they're getting in the way, I want you to think about how you would treat this business if they were your child and is this what you really want? Do you want them, do you want this your business actually to not be able to operate if you aren't turning up there five days a week? What you actually want is to be able to go for a month and not answer a phone and not check an email and have when you come back to be in in the same or better place than you left it. That's what you want. Yeah. I was going to add there's a really good chance your business will run better with less of you. Yep. You've got to be ready to hear that. That's right. That it was easier. 
that it wasn't so noisy, there wasn't so many changes, you know, all those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. So where is um, People Coach kind of going to go in the next 12, 12 months with you uh, at the helm? What can you tell us? Uh, it's a really exciting time actually for us. So we um, have spent the last, well, the, I mean, if we go in, in chunks, we've had the the scenario where we came out of global pandemic, we've really defined what our offering is. We have got raving fans, both in the, our clients and our co- oh, well, coaches, clients and our coaches. Um, we've, we've got a really clear model and our future is to do more of what we're doing but on a bigger remit, right? Yeah. So it's like everything. You've got to make sure that you've got everything sorted out that you can do it for 500 people. And when you can do it for 500 people, I mean, and we're going to have some problems scaling up. That's inevitable. So, but we know why we're doing it. We know how we're going to do it. We know it's going to be a little bit bumpy, but that's that's just running a business. So we're looking to, we've, we've seen um, triple digit growth year on year for the last three years. And we're expecting not quite triple digit, but um, not far off it. Oh, so good. So good. What do you think your role is going to be in the next 12 months? My role is Chief Visionary Officer. CVO. Yeah, that's first. Um, Chief Culture Officer Mm -hmm. and Chief Commercial Officer in the sense of keeping an eye on the numbers. And I think... You know, I've been part of lots of accelerators and interviewed, blah, 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 and we run a very good business because I've run businesses for 20-something years and I'm very good commercially, which means when people, like we've been hiring people and they're like, oh, you know, when you go to a startup, um, you never know what's going to do. They hire a whole lot of people and then three months later they have to make everybody redundant because they haven't managed their cash flow. That's not what we do. Um, so I think that's that's my role is to keep strategy alive, create the vision, communicate the vision, make sure that the people are in an environment where they can be their best, where they can grow, where they can contribute, where they can add value, um, and then make sure that the finances are in place to make sure that we can fund it and keep um, keep people safe in and secure in the way that they live. Because as a CEO, I know that I don't. I'm not just paying my own mortgage. I'm paying fifty mortgages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What um, what do you think this next? So what are what are we up to? March twenty three. What do you think the next eighteen months is going to be like commercially here in Australia? I think it's going to be, I mean, look, the US sneezes and Australia gets a cold <laughs> type scenario. You know, I feel that one thing about business that I don't like, um, not my business because I run it, but is that we create scarcity and fear when we don't need to. Oh, so, and, and, you know, I understand the role of state of shareholders. I understand the need for profit, but I suppose I see the unrelenting pursuit of profit over um, actually delivering great service, whether that to be, be to your customers, to your employees. I find that quite abhorrent, to be honest. And yeah. so whilst 
and I and I do know that you know revenues are going to decline, but actually, does that mean that twenty five percent of the workforce needs to be made redundant just to hit a um, a profit number to for a reporting period? Like I find that quite yeah. um, horrible, like horrible, unnecessary, and run unethical. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think ethics is a different thing. So I'm judging. I suppose I'm judging in a way. It's not unethical. It's the way society has been set up. It's how we measure success, right? But I just don't like it. And so I will always take, and I can. I've got the luxury of saying I will always take the long road, not the short road. And and I will say one thing. I've got five people that invested in me in in this business, and um. As I told you, my husband uh, has cancer, and and the, one of the one of them said, and I said, look, I'm I'm stockpiling the cash in case I've got to step out for a while, and the business blah blah blah. And he said, how much cash have you got? And I said, this much. He said, hire people, hire people now. So mm-hmm. that was the first one who said, let's take the hit, hire the people, so that we don't have to, so that you can, you know, not work so hard. The yeah. second one, um, the the other one, another one said directly to me. Um, so I said something to him. He said, oh, just tell all the shareholders to suck it up and we're going to take a hit, but you need it, so that's fine. And the reality is no one actually has taken a hit, right? So we haven't. We're still growing. We're still running well. But I have shareholders that are putting people, vision, brand, our team ahead of a number, bottom yeah. a bottom line number. Yeah. yeah. So... I don't know. I think it's going to make talented people question even more where they want to work and who they want to work for. I agree completely. Yeah, I agree completely. It uh, it really shakes things down. Yep. Really yep. shakes things down. And I think that on top of global pandemic, you know, because what we've seen in whether it be my recruitment role or, or my coaching role is people are a lot more focused on who they are, what's important to them, what they will and will not put up with, what they will or will not sacrifice now. Um, Consumerism is high, but, you know, people are saying I'd rather live in a smaller house and not have to do that job type thing. And so I think if we go into recession and we have more, you know, big numbers being people made redundant with record profits, i.e. banking and finance, um, It'll be interesting to see how attractive those industries are to talented people. Yep. And the, the commentary that goes around it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So good catching up. Like this has literally been like a glass of wine at the bar. Ah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's the only way to have a podcast, I think, to be honest. Have an honest chat with people and ask interesting questions and hopefully get some interesting answers. Oh, not hopefully. Yeah, no. Um, thank you so much for coming uh, coming in and, for, you know, what I know about you, we've known each other quite some time, is you just call it how it is, you know, just straight down the line, call it how it is. I think uh, I think uh, that's just totally, totally awesome. So um, thank you so much for sharing uh, a few extra drops of uh, wisdom for allied health business owners. Is there anything else you'd like to get them thinking about? Yes, there's a few things. One, invest in yourself as a leader. 
So whether that be invest in your physical health, i.e. go and get some exercise, your emotional health, go and, you know, have a date, whether it's your financial health, go and get, you know, a a, a finance planner or a good accountant uh, or or your business health, which is a, a good coach to help you or a mentor or something like that. So that, and so saying I don't have time is just a hiding to nowhere. So that's number one. Two, it's okay not to have all the answers. Mm. You are not a superhero. Nobody is 100% right 100% of the time. And if you do think that, then you're just a narcissist. If you think that you're the only person that can only ever do anything right and everybody else is useless, then if you've got a lot of people <gasps> churning in your business, then you're probably, that's the reason why, not because yeah. of them, because of you. Um, and the third thing is have fun with it. Like you mm. started this business to do good, to have fun, to make a difference in your lives of your customers, your employees, yourself, your family, have fun with it and it's yeah. okay. Yeah, back to basics. Thank you, Christine, so much. You are very welcome and um, all the best. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.